right, well, we're there in Isaiah 39, and like I said, it's a very short chapter, only eight verses, and it kind of ends this section of Isaiah. If you, might have, you might remember that I was explaining to you, I think a few weeks back, Isaiah is divided into three different uh, parts. The first part goes from chapter number one to chapter uh, 36, and you're basically dealing with Isaiah preaching to the children of Israel about the Assyrian threat, the fact that the Assyrians are coming to destroy them. In Isaiah uh, verse chapters 37, 38, um, and 39, I'm sorry, 36, 37, 38, and 39, those four chapters deal with a narrative. We've gone into kind of a story of the king Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah For the first two chapters, we learned about him dealing with the Assyrian threat and the fact that he had to stand up to them and God delivered him. And then we spent the the last two chapters, and this is kind of the, the last chapter of it, where he's kind of focusing on Babylon. And the reason for that is because the rest of the book of Isaiah, from chapter 40 through chapter 66, deals with the coming invasion of Babylon and the fact that Babylon will come and will destroy the children of Israel. So this short chapter kind of uh, is, is, is a transition. It kind of ends the life of Hezekiah, but it begins this transition into what Isaiah will be talking about for the next, uh, you know, for the end of the book. Now, I'm excited to get into chapter 40 next week and, and to finish the book of Isaiah because from chapters 40 to 66, it's probably the most exciting part of the book of Isaiah. I mean, most of the well-known passages that you will know about Isaiah are found in those chapters. The, the beginning was very negative. There's a lot of just preaching against sin and the burden of this and the judgment of that. And all that's good, and we need that from time to time. But the rest of the book of Isaiah is great. But here we find this short chapter, and it kind of just gives us a last view of this king, Hezekiah. If you look at verse number one, the Bible says again, at that time. Now, if you remember last week, we were talking about the fact that it, the, the, the Bible tells us that Hezekiah was dealing with this Assyrian threat, but he was also having some health issues at the same time. When we talked about the fact that often when trials come, remember the darts of the devil, and if he throws one dart at you, he's going to throw another one. And usually when it rains, it pours. And if you're having one trial, you're going to have multiple trials and multiple problems. But at the same time, when Hezekiah received victory over the Assyrians. Because remember, God answered his prayer. And in his prayer, God said, I'm going to deliver you from the Assyrians, and I'm going to heal you. Remember, he asked for a sign, and God gave him the sign and the sun. And both of these victories came at the same time. And here it says, at that time, at the just like the trials came together, the victories came together. But the Bible says, Merodach-Beladen, the son of Beladen, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. So I want you to notice that at this point in the life of Hezekiah, Hezekiah has something that's very dear to him and something that you and I usually take for granted till we don't have it. And he has his health. He was sick. It looked like he was going to die. But the Bible says, of course, that God healed him, that he was he heard that he had been sick and was recovered. Now, I want you to keep your finger there in Isaiah 39 and go with me just real quickly to 2 Chronicles chapter 32. We've been going back to 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings and comparing these parallel passages about the life of Hezekiah. And I want you to just notice Hezekiah's life after this Assyrian threat. We know that he had health. We know that God promised him another 15 years, and that must have been very uh, good for Hezekiah to know that no matter what happens, he's got 15 years. 
I mean, I don't know what, he, he probably started rock climbing and skydiving and skiing, you know what I mean? Just started having fun because he, re, he knows, hey, I'm good to go for 15 years. God promised me that. But Hezekiah did not only have health. I want you to notice Hezekiah also had wealth. Are you there in Second uh, Chronicles? Look at chapter 32 and verse number 22. I'm sorry, 27. Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse number 27. The Bible says, And Hezekiah had exceeding much riches. Do you see that? Because if you remember in verse 1 of chapter 39, people started sending him presents. They started sending him gifts because Hezekiah just became the man, you know. He just defeated the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire, I mean, that's like, that's like the United States of America is right now. It was the world power. It was the world military. It was, you know, you did not mess with these people. And Hezekiah actually was delivered from, I mean, the Assyrians left, you know, running and, and from Hezekiah. So Hezekiah becomes very famous for this. People start sending him gifts. He gets gifts from the princes of Babylon, and he starts being very successful. Look at verse 27 again. And Hezekiah had exceeding much riches and honor, and he made himself treasuries for silver and for gold and for precious stones and for spices. We talked about this morning. Spices were very important in those days. For shields and for all manner of pleasant jewels. Storehouses also for the increase of corn and wine and oil and stalls for all manner of beasts and coats and for flocks. Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance for God had given him substance very much. Do you see that? So here's what we know about Hezekiah at this point in his life. He has help. He was sick and he'd been recovered. He has wealth. He's got exceeding much riches. The Bible says that God had given him substance very much at the end of verse 29 there. Not only that, but Hezekiah had prosperity. Look at verse 30. This same Hezekiah also stopped the upper water course of Gihon and brought it straight down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah, notice, prospered in all his works. Everything Hezekiah thought to do, it prospered. It's like almost like you've ever met someone, you felt like, man, everything they touch just turns to gold. This was Hezekiah at this time. I mean, everything he did, he would have ideas. He'd have political ideas. He would decide to change the water course to bring water into the city through a different way. And God was just blessing him and helping him. I mean, the Bible says there, Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Isn't this what we all want? I mean, if you were to just say, I'm not talking about in a spiritual sense, but if you were to just say in your flesh, what do you want in life? Wouldn't we all? say we basically want health, we want wealth, we want prosperity, we want to succeed, we want to know that we're doing well. But here's what you got to understand. When God gave Hezekiah health, and when God gave Hezekiah wealth, and when God gave Hezekiah prosperity, the Bible teaches that Hezekiah's heart began to be lifted. And he began to be very proud. Can you keep your finger there in 2 Chronicles 32? We're going to come back to it. But go back to Isaiah 39. Now, in Isaiah 39, when you read the story, you may not really realize exactly what's going on, and you may think that Isaiah is kind of coming down hard, and God's coming down hard on Hezekiah. But you've you've got to compare Scripture with Scripture to realize what is in Hezekiah's heart. But you see his attitude and his actions. Look at verse 1 again. 
At that time, Merodach Beladen, the son of Beladen, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. Now, you got to understand this. Assyria is the world power, but Assyria very soon is going to decline, and Babylon is going to be uh, raised up as the world power. Babylon is up and coming at this time. At the time of Hezekiah, Babylon's not exactly the strongest nation on earth, but it's getting there. It's growing in strength, and it's growing in power. Now, Hezekiah is the king of a small nation, Judah. Not very powerful. He's the underdog. He beats the Assyrian Empire, so the Babylonians now want to begin communicating with Hezekiah. And he's getting letters from these kings. He's getting letters from these princes that are more powerful, that are stronger, that have more reputation and more authority. And this is beginning to make Hezekiah feel very good. The fact that there are some big boys out there that are taking notice of him. Look at verse 2. And Hezekiah was glad of them. He was glad that he was getting these letters. He was glad that he was getting these presents. He was glad that the king of Babylon was paying attention to him. Notice, and showed them. So he sends the ambassadors, and Hezekiah showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor, and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Now you may say, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with having ambassadors come in and taking them around your house, and Hezekiah is taking them into everything? every room and say, let me show you, show you the storehouse I have for diamonds and for rubies and for silver and for gold. Look at all these animals. Look at all the things that I have. But here's what you got to understand. Hezekiah got to a place where we all get to and we've all been there and we get there from time to time where he's successful and he wants to show off. I mean, he wants people to see. He's got these important guys coming from Babylon. He says, let me show you how great I am. You guys think that Judah is a small little, little town, and you guys think that Judah is a small little nation, a small little city-state. But let me show you all the things we have, and let me show you all the armor that we have, and let me show you. And Hezekiah, I mean, notice the last phrase of verse 2. Hezekiah showed them not. It's saying that he, he, there was nothing that he showed them not. And not only is he showing them, but he is showing off. Have you ever had an attitude? And I know you have. I have, we all have, but have you ever thought about what is that attitude in us that wants people to admire us? What is that attitude in us that wants people to recognize us, that wants people to acknowledge what we're doing, that wants people to say, wow, that's amazing, wow, you're doing a good job. What is that in us that wants people to take notice of the car we drive or the clothes we wear or the house we buy, you know, we bought or the, the, the position we have at work? What is it in us? That wants people to, to, we want them to know, I'm successful, I'm doing good, look at me, let me show you my health and my wealth and my prosperity. And the answer to that question is this, it's pride. It is pride that wants us to show off. It is pride that wants us to be admired. Can you make your way back to Second Chronicles 32? It is pride that wants people, that wants us to make sure that people know that we're someone big and we're someone to be reckoned with. And you got to understand this. When we want to be admired, 
When we want to be glorified, we're taking the glory and the admiration that belongs to God. Look at verse 25, 2 Chronicles 32, verse 25. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Do you see that? Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. See, the Bible teaches us here that when these Babylonians came and Hezekiah's heart got lifted, and Hezekiah said, wow, they're paying attention to me. Wow, the news media is here and they want to report about me and they want to go back. I want them to go back to Babylon and say good thing. Let me show you all the armor that I have and let me show you all the treasures that I have and let me show you all the great things that I have. The Bible tells us when he got to that place where he wanted to be admired is because his heart was lifted up. And you got to understand this. There's no faster way to have God bring you down than to lift yourself up. The Bible, all throughout the Bible says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Pride goeth before destruction. A haughty spirit before the fall. And here we're told that his heart was lifted up. Look at the last phrase in verse 25. Therefore, meaning for that reason, there was wrath upon him. Now, a second ago, there was prosperity on him. A second ago, there was the blessing of God on him. A second ago, there was the power of God on him. But as soon as his heart was lifted, the Bible says, therefore, there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Now, here's what you got to understand. For those of you that have been with us as we've been studying the book of James, you remember the second sermon in the book of James when we talked about diverse temptations? Remember that we talked about the fact that sometimes God will tempt us, and that is a trial. Remember, James said that the trying of your faith worketh patience. We looked at the story of Abraham in Genesis 22, where it says that God did tempt Abraham, and we know that that's not a temptation to sin, because God tempted no man with evil, but we know that he was testing God and trying God. Well, here's another example of where God does that. Look at verse 31 of 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse number 31. How be it? Now, he's talking about Hezekiah, and he's talking about all the great things that he did. But then he says this, Howbeit, in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon. God says, Hezekiah was great, except for in the business of the ambassador of the prince of Babylon, who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. God left him, don't miss this, you ought to underline this in your Bible, to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. See, from time to time, God might bring someone along your path. And that person may begin to flatter you. That person may begin to admire you. That person may begin to say all sorts of great things about you and say, you are so good. You are so great. And listen to me. From time to time, we need encouragement. From time to time, we need someone to say, hey, listen, you're doing a good job. You stay at it. From time to time, you know, you need someone to come up to you and say, I'm for you. I'm praying for you. I'm pulling for you. There's nothing wrong with that. But you've got to understand that from time to time, someone will come to you and begin to flatter and admire you and almost worship you. And God may be trying you just to see, is this someone that I can keep blessing? Is this someone that I can keep prospering? Is this someone that I can keep giving health and wealth and prosperity to? Or is this someone that's going to begin taking the glory that belongs to me and start taking it for himself? Hezekiah got obsessed from God. Hezekiah was tried. I mean, do you see there, verse 31, it says, God left him. God did not step in. God did not intervene. God allowed the ambassadors to come. He left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. And see, the problem that we have is this. And the problem that we all have is this. We all have pride. 
Every single one of us. That is our biggest problem. You ever almost gave someone a compliment but didn't? So why did why did you stop? Because of pride. Because there's something in us that says, if I tell them how great they are, then I'm saying that I'm not that good. And that's not true. You ever resented the fact that someone got a raise and you didn't, or got promoted and you didn't? And maybe you didn't say it out loud. You might have said, oh, congratulations, but in your head you're thinking, I should have got that. What is that? It's pride. What is it in us that gets upset when the neighbor gets a new car? What is it in us that gets upset when the neighbor has nice clothes or they went on a vacation and we thought, I should have gone on that vacation? It's pride. It is an overemphasis of ourselves. And the problem is this. We are not grateful for what we have. And we start thinking that the things we have came from us. And I have this house, and I have this car, and I have these clothes, and I have this prosperity, and I have this business, and I have this health, and I have this wealth, and it's all because of how great I am. Let me show you, Babylonians, how great I, Hezekiah, is. Let me show you all my fortunes and all my houses and all my servants and everything that I have. And I am so great. And it's pride. Because in verse 25 there, the Bible says this. Look, look at it again. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. See, the problem with Hezekiah was this. When the Babylonians showed up and they said, wow, Hezekiah, you've got a lot of money. He did not render again according to the benefit done unto him. He didn't say, well, everything I have came from God, and it's not about me, guys, honestly. Well, I didn't beat the Assyrian Empire. Good night. They would have, if it was up to me, they would have taken us. It is God that stepped in. It is God that helped me. It is by God's mercy that I'm not consumed. It is God that has given me. That's what he should have done, but he didn't. He said, oh, you like that? Wait till you see the next one. Oh, you like this? Wait till I, let me show you the other thing I have. And his heart got lifted. Look at verse 29. Moreover, 2 Chronicles 32, verse 29. Moreover, he provided him cities and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance. Now, look, don't miss this. For God had given him substance very much. According to the Bible, who gave Hezekiah substance very much? It was God. According to the Bible, who gave Hezekiah health? It was God. According to the Bible, who gave him prosperity? God. God gave, And you understand this. Everything you have, God gave it to you. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me just share a few verses with you. We'll be done here in 5, 10 minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. And look at verse number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 6. You say, Brother Jimenez, you preached a lot about this thing of pride. You know, it's funny how much it comes up in Scripture. For the most part around here, we just preach... Chapter by chapter, we're just going through books of the Bible. It's funny how much God talks about this because it's something we need to talk about a lot. We need to be reminded on a regular basis to not overthink of ourselves or overly think of ourselves. I love how Paul expressed his opinion in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we know it was the Holy Spirit, of course. But look at verse number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, look at verse number 6. The Bible says this, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, That ye might learn in us. Now notice what he wants them to learn. Here's what he wants them to learn. Not to think of man above that which is written. Now he's saying, I don't want you to think of men. Because we have the tendency to think too much of men. You find a preacher you like. You find a, you know, sports hero you like. You find someone you like. And we have the tendency to think very highly of men. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to think very highly of me or of Apollos. But you know what? He also, in that, is the idea that we ought not think too highly of ourselves. 
He said, not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. He said, we should not get puffed up to the point where, well, I'm better than you are. And look at me and look at what I have. Now, here's what's interesting. I love verse 7. You know, we ought to commit verse 7 to memory. For who maketh thee to differ from another? That's a great question. You say, well, I've, I have a better house than this guy. I have a nicer car than this individual. My standard of living is just a little higher. than." But here's the thing. Who is the one that has given you the ability to even be different than the one you're comparing yourself to? I mean, do you understand that? He says, for who maketh thee to differ from another? He says, if you're, if you're better than someone, why? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, here's what he's saying. Hezekiah, what do you have that you didn't get? What do you have that wasn't given to you? What do you have that was not a gift or a blessing from God? He says, what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou received it, why dost thou glory? Here's the idea for Hezekiah. Hezekiah, if, if, if the Assyrian Empire was a gift that God gave you, if it's the fact that God brought his angel to deliver you, then why are you glorying about the fact that you were delivered from the Assyrian Empire if it was given to you, if it was a gift? Do you understand that? He said, Hezekiah, if you've got all this money and all this health and all this wealth, but God gave it to you, you didn't get it yourself, it was a gift. Then what are you glorying about? What hast thou that thou dost not receive? Now, if thou received it, why dost thou glory? As if thou hadst not received it. He says, look, if, if, if God gave it to you, then don't, that word glory means to brag or show off. If God gave it to you, then don't brag as if God didn't give it to you. Because you know what? If you have it, God gave it to you. Every good gift is from above. And we ought to just realize that anything that I have is from God. And when I realize that, and when I realize, wow, this beautiful house that God has, there's no way that I could have ever had this house. I mean, there's no way that I could have ever had this family. There's no way that I could ever have the opportunities that God has given me. But by the grace of God, he's given me those. When we realize that everything came from God. All of a sudden, it's not about us, and it's all about God, and it's all about the fact that, hey, let me tell you about my great God. Let me tell you about my good God. Go with me to Romans chapter number 12, Romans chapter 12. You're there in 1 Corinthians, just go one book back to Romans chapter 12. Of course, in Romans 12, you've got the famous verses 1 and 2, but I want you to notice verse number 3. For I say, through the grace of God given unto me. Romans chapter number 12, verse 3. He says, For I say through the grace of God, I'm sorry, through the grace given unto me. Now, grace is a gift. I didn't earn it. I didn't pay for it. He says, I say through the grace, through the gift, through the things that I did not deserve, through the unmerited favor of God given unto me, to every man that is among you. And here's good advice for all of us. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's great advice. You ought to never think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. When you're about getting ready to start criticizing so-and-so, because look at how they dress, and they're kind of weird, and they're kind of odd, and I don't know why they're here, and they shouldn't come to this church. When you start getting ready to criticize your whoever relative, and you start saying, well, I don't understand why they do that, or why don't they manage their finances better, and they could have riches like I have, and they could live in a house like if they were just... When you start getting ready to start getting all puffed up about all the greatness of yourself, the Bible says that we ought not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. 
and to realize that everything I have is by the grace of God. Everything I have came from God. It is because of God that I have what I have. If it's much, I ought to be content. If it's little, I ought to be content. If the attendance is good on a Sunday, I ought to be happy. And if the attendance is low as a pastor, I need to just realize it's God's church, not mine. It's God's people. They're not my people. You say you got the raise at work? Praise the Lord. You didn't get the raise at work? Hey, at least you have a job. And if you don't have a job, still praise God. Because you have whatever, whatever he's given you, God gave it to you. Can we get back to Isaiah 39? Look at verse 3. We'll finish this up real quick. Isaiah 39. Look at verse number 3. Isaiah 39 and verse number 3. This is very interesting because in verse 3 the Bible says this, Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah. Now, as we were studying the life of Hezekiah, you'll notice that Hezekiah would often go to Isaiah. Remember, he went to the house of the Lord. He went to the man of God. He went to the house of God. We saw that multiple times through these passages, that Hezekiah would often go to God, often go to God, often go to God. Here we see the opposite. God, through Isaiah, is coming to Hezekiah. And when the man of God is calling you or knocking on your door, it's usually not good. The Bible says, Then came Isaiah the prophet unto the king Hezekiah, And said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. He says, Oh, you you should have seen the guys. They they, They came a very far way just to see me, Isaiah. They came from Babylon. You have you heard of Babylon, Isaiah? Oh, yeah, I've heard of Babylon. You're gonna hear me talk about Babylon for the next 26 chapters. Isaiah's thinking himself. Look at verse 4. Then said he. What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house they have seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Among your treasures, Hezekiah? Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. And it's very interesting what God says, verse 6, Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house, and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day, shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and says, Hezekiah, you did such a great job. You did such a great job at showing off and having these guys admire. They admired you so much, they're going to come back and take everything away from you. You did a good job. I mean, you know, you, you, you go by a house and you see all these signs that say, you know, beware of dog or beware of owner or beware of owner has a dog and a gun. You know, you see all these things that say, you know, keep off the property, no trespassing. I, I've never seen a sign that says, you know, uh, expensive jewelry is in the bedroom in the third drawer. You know what I mean? You, you never see a, a, a sign that says we've got a safe in the hallway closet and here's the code. Basically, Hezekiah was taking these guys and saying, let me show you where everything's at. Let me show you everything that I have. And and Isaiah says, you did such a good job at impressing them, they're going to come back and take it all away. And here's the lesson. Everything you have taken from God, and God can take it from you at any moment. Say, I've got health. God can take that. I've got wealth. God can take that. Everything I touch turns to gold. God can take that from you. And you start taking the glory, and you start showing off, and you start getting lifted in your heart about how great you are, God can very easily say, hey, those Babylonians you were trying to impress, they're actually going to come back, and they're going to take everything that you have. It'll be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left. And by the way, they're going to take your children. 
They're going to take them away. Remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They're going to become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now, what's interesting is in verse 8, Hezekiah really reveals his heart. He says this, Then then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Now, here's what, what Hezekiah is saying. And in other passages, we're told that he humbled himself to the point where judgment did not come to Hezekiah. And Isaiah said, this is not going to happen in your life, Hezekiah. You've been a good king. God has realized that you've done a lot of great things. It's not going to happen in your lifetime. But when you die, your children, the Babylonians are going to come. They're going to take them away. They're going to take everything you have. And here's what Hezekiah says. He says the ultimate self-centered statement. He says, well, at least it won't happen in my life. I mean, the ultimate non-other-centered statement. I mean, he's not thinking of others. He's not thinking of his children. He's not saying, well, I don't want this to happen to my kids, and I don't want it to happen to other people. No, no, no. No, God, would you please forgive? He doesn't say any of that. He says, well, as long as it doesn't happen to me. You say, well, why would someone say that? Because when you're filled with self and you're filled with pride, all you care about is me. So let this be a challenge to you. Let it be a challenge to me to look in our lives at those areas that we're so eager to kind of show off to people and to realize that if I'm showing them off, if I'm trying to impress you, if I'm trying to make you see how great I am, we need to check ourselves and realize everything we came, have came from God. God can take it at any moment. It is by God's grace. We received it from him, and we should give him the glory. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord.